1: Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 43 of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. How are you doing this week? Have you been affected by all that wind? It's been horrible, hasn't it? I hope you've had a good week. Um, not bad week for your boy. Just been looking forward to getting out a new episode for you. Obviously, soon, you know, jumping ahead, but this episode, um, very funny. Um, and just a very enjoyable episode with uh stand up comedian Sam Lake, who joined me to talk about all things the weatherman this week. Um, now this episode was originally recorded back in about the middle towards the end of December 2020, so there's um a reference or two in there about gifts and consoles and things. Uh, with that said, in this episode, we do. Chat all about cage, we share our gaming backstories, we discuss camel toes, Michael Caine's accent, and much more. Uh, does it make sense in context? You'll have to listen to find out. It does. Um, so I won't ramble on too much because, like I said, really, really good episode this week. I want to get straight into it. Um, as ever, you can find the podcast on all the usual streaming services. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Deezer, Stitcher, Podchaser, iHeartRadio. Um, if you listen to on a certain service and you're able to leave a rating, a Podchaser, an Apple, for example, please do. Um, I know I've been on about it, but it really helps the show grow and I'd be super, super appreciated of you to do so. Um, and if you feel so inclined, you can throw a few quid my way on the coffee page, uh, coffee dot forward slash Daryl Edge, k o f i dot com forward slash d a r r y l e d uh, g e, and you can also reach out and find me on the usual social medias, Twitter at cage underscore podcast instagram at cage rage pod and let me know about the episode talk to me about cage or whatever else you want as well always happy to hear from you as we're uh, now on track and hopefully hoping to reach uh, 700 followers on twitter before long um so that'd be lovely to see from you um all of sam's links will be in the description down below please go give him a follow check out his podcast um, I found a rose. Let's talk about our feelings as well. Wonderful podcast. Um, but with that said, that's me. Enough of me rambling. Let's get into the episode. It's Daryl Edge and Sam Lake, Cage Rage, episode 43 The Weatherman. Enjoy. So we round off 2005 with the comedy drama film The Weatherman. Here we meet Cage as David Spritz, a successful yet disrespected weatherman whose personal life is in a downward spiral. Joining me on the journey to true Cage Nirvana this week to find out if this film is forecast for sunny spells or just rainy days ahead It's comedian, writer and presenter Sam Lake. Sam, thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
0: I am great. That was a really professional intro. I don't know if I'd have described the film the same way that you just did, but I think you're correct.
1: <laughs> well, this is, this is sort of what we were talking about off camera. This is me raising hope early, uh, <laughs> just, like, just like the year 2020. Um, so, I mean, usually I, I go sort of straight into the cage chat, but um, for this episode, I want to start it slightly differently uh, and okay. just to touch upon uh, your own podcast, which I actually love. I've had a rosé. Let's talk about feelings. Um, yes. Which one... I love the podcast. I think it's genuinely wonderful. Uh, not oh, in the way, you. Not in the way that American hosts say like, oh, you've got a new album. I've listened to it. I loved it. You haven't. You definitely didn't listen to it. You don't have time. <laughs> uh, but mostly for the fact that in one of your intros, which is something I wanted to congratulate you on, you managed to get a PS5.
0: Congratulations to <laughs> Sam Lake. How did you, how did you do it? Oh, some people saw twenty twenty as a setback. I saw it as an opportunity <laughs> uh, to remind everyone of how much money I have to spend. <laughs> um, I was just very lucky. I pre-ordered it. Well, actually, I have. I used to work in. Well, I still do work in technology, and I um, have lots of friends who are very hot on finding the deals and finding the pre-ordering for, pre-orders for like all of the games and stuff. So one of them sent me like an alert that like amazon still had them i'm sorry for shopping on amazon i know jeff bezos (laughs) has too much money um but uh yeah and it turned up and then i very humorously tweeted about it in the same way that someone would talk about a newborn baby and i took a picture (laughs) of myself as if i'd had a very difficult birth (laughs) but both both mother and baby are fine
1: i hope i hope baby hasn't crashed and has been bug free for you so far
0: uh, no, because I, I haven't bought Cyberpunk 2077,
1: so. <laughs> You're one of the smart ones. Um, yeah. I, 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 and I realize this sounds so ungrateful to say. It's like I compromised on an Xbox Series X because I suppose well, I wanted to get something. Um, but then I I have Cyberpunk. It's it's wrapped. It's a Christmas present. But now I'm like, yeah, maybe I just leave it wrapped until the oh. end of time.
0: I mean, would I judge you more than I already judge you for getting an Xbox? I don't know. But I think think, um, that game was doomed from the start, uh, especially seeing as like it's been in development for like, what, 12 years or something ridiculous like that? Longer than I've been born, I think. Yeah, because you're only uh, 11 and a half. It's coming up to your birthday, isn't it? <laughs> <I'm> so <sorry. laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, it's just any game that comes out and it's being developed under crunch conditions like that for such an extended period of time. I don't know what people were expecting when they finally got their hands on it. Um, mm. But I think that game just like showed how awful the gaming community is and people wishing death upon the developers of a game who are literally building something they want to have. So if yeah. you kill them, it's just going to take longer. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know from what I've, from what I've seen of like reviews and stuff, it doesn't, it seems like a very futuristic Grand Theft Auto that isn't as fun.
1: Yeah. Um, I've seen, I've seen by this point, all the the footage of so like the, this generation, Xbox and PS4, and it's all, yeah glitchy and buggy and then they're like yeah you're right we just didn't bother with the old versions (laughs) and yeah i I wanted to trust them so so much because um i i loved the witcher 3 that consumed so much of my time Mm -hmm. in lockdown um even though i'm still haunted by the fact that i got the bad ending um yeah i know can you Um, look
0: yourself in the mirror
1: after uh, doing that there's nothing reflective in this house anymore okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I, this is one of those things when, uh, spoilers for The Witcher 3 if you haven't played it, but I didn't realize that there were worse decisions because when it came to Ciri, I thought I was being helpful and being nurturing. <laughs> and it turns out I was being mothering and that's bad. And that means your daughter dies. Um, yep. And then I thought, or oh, maybe I can just go back. But it turns out my the last save I could go back to was 20 hours of gameplay before. And now I'm still really sad about it and it's it it hurts. it hurts. Repeating
0: 20 hours of gameplay is not something I've done since uh, I think I forgot to save uh, on my copy of Pokemon Pearl. Ooh. And I was devastated because I caught a shiny eevee. Oh. I know. I know.
1: Oh man, I'm trying to think of the worst gaming hurts now. I like I'm, this is off topic but absolutely fine but <laughs> this one you, you might know where I'm going with it as I start telling it, and this one mm-hmm. is still totally on me. Um, for my other half, three years ago, got a PS4 Pro, um, mm-hmm. so obviously you have to transfer from the, the PS4 to the PS4 Pro. Yes. Now, I didn't realize that by doing that, it deletes everything. Um mm-hmm. in, in my defense, you can look it up and it does tell you in the manual. It doesn't tell you on the on the screen when you get the blue PS4 screen and you're moving yeah. stuff across. It doesn't say warning save game or anything like that. So cut a long story short, um, what was lost in the fire was um about 80 hours of Red Dead 2 gameplay, uh Amazing Spider Man, God of War, Various oh. Assassin's Creed. Um we we lost a lot. Um so it's <laughs> one of those we don't talk about. Every now and then it's still brought up. Like, remember when you made me start Assassin's Creed Odyssey again? And I'm like, you the shame. I still feel three years removed from the event. It's awful. You've experienced trauma. That's trauma. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. I've known loss. <laughs> I've yeah. known I've known her, which is why you know i've i found my piece in the filmography of nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> this is my repentance <laughs> yeah absolutely this, this is you know 30 or so episodes in this is the tragic backstory that the, the listeners have been waiting <laughs> for what's your origin story what would the cage film of your life be oh now that's a question that's a deep that's a deep question i wasn't expecting so deep early question maybe we'll find the title along the way who knows Maybe we will, or if I just start blubbing and just go the Wicker Man, and then we have to stop <laughs> for, for about ten minutes. Um, yeah. But on on the topic of Nicholas Cage, um, I, always, I always like to ask with guests, um, you know, are, are you a fan of Nicholas Cage? Do you do you have? And it, it sounds like a big question. Do you have a history with Cage at all? Which makes it sound a lot yeah. more illicit than what it is.
0: Yeah, he owes me seven and a half grand. Um, <laughs> uh, I um I don't know if I would say I'm a fan of his, but I am a, a a happy observer. So I so I studied at uni in Bath, where it like surprisingly he used to own a house or still owns a house. Or yeah. and one year he came to turn on the Christmas lights and it was a whole thing. Um, so that's the closest I've come to him in person. And then, obviously, all other references I have are from uh, his <laughs> from his magnus opus of works. Um, <laughs> like, uh, oh. uh, yeah. And so it's a bit to the point where, you know, if anyone asks me what I'm doing over a weekend or an evening, I'm just like, oh, you know, just planning to steal the U.S. Constitution, just something like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a, a happy observer. But fan, fan... Um, I don't think he's quite earned that title from me just yet,
1: right? So he's so it's it's, it's a happy middle ground almost with yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is nice. I mean, a lot of people who I've sort of spoken to and had on uh, on the podcast so far are either they're usually two sides of the fence. Either they're like, you know, I I will defend him passionately, as admittedly I will, because this is what in the uh, the cage pod community we call cage home syndrome. We've been stuck with him for so long. <laughs> you can't help but feel sympathy for him, and yeah. other people feel that he's um, an affront to the to the craft. Uh, he's very cheesy. They just <laughs> they just don't get it. Um, uh-huh. so, so it's it's weirdly refreshing at this stage to hear someone say, um, you know, I, uh, I I'm on the fence with Cage. He can still he can still win me over. And
0: when it comes to Nicolas Cage, I'm very Swiss i'm very neutral <laughs> the swissest man we've had on the podcast <laughs> so far but um
1: that being said with it with the um uh, the bath lights being turned on um it's it's something i've sort of brought up on the podcast before because uh, a mm. friend of mine actually went to bath university okay. as well and when he sort of came back and we had sort of the meetup he said that oh did you know that nicholas cage turned on the christmas lights in bath mm-hmm. and he at that point it sounded so unbelievable like such like the biggest lie you could tell us like you've you've made that up you're trying to get a reaction you know yeah. what that means to me to know that I, <laughs> I i'm in the same country breathing the same air as um in my opinion the greatest actor who's ever lived how dare you say that <laughs> and it, it turns out it was completely true i mean completely did you, true. did you go to that to the turn on at all
0: i tried to it was quite busy so I don't think I was in prime position to actually see him. So I was around, but I don't remember. I know what you. Di- I know what you mean when you say it sound It sounds just that unbelievable enough that you're on the cusp of thinking, well, it could be true, but I don't know if it is. If they yeah. had said something like, "Oh, I saw Nicolas Cage at Greg's buying a Capri Sun and a steak bake," <laughs> then you'd be like, "No, no, no, no that's that's not it." But no, it, it was quite a well-known thing if you studied at Bath that Nicolas Cage owned property somewhere and that he held onto it for like tax reasons or it, it was the only thing keeping him from like total bankruptcy or, mm. or something like that. There's there's many stories. I think somebody saw him at a pub one day as well and not yeah. like a fancy Bath pub, like a normal pub. not Not like somewhere between like, very artisanal gastropub and spoons. So somewhere in the middle.
1: <laughs> it's because he's so humble. Um, is, is yeah, what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I like oh, to he, put
0: it. He loves a two-for-one on pictures of woo-woo.
1: <laughs> if there's one drink I associate with Cage, it's the woo-woo. Every yes. single time. <laughs> maybe a Purple Rain, maybe a woo-woo. Um, maybe, I like to think he's a man who asks like, uh, you know, what have you got on tap? Because he likes to be interested in, oh, the, yeah. in the craft. He likes um, a craft
0: ale, he likes an IPA.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Between stealing the Declaration of Independence and getting Bertie with a men, he has to stop for a little a nice like cold one, uh, with the boys at the, at the local. Um <laughs> but it's it's always fascinating to me because um like you said, this is one of the things that sounds just true enough about Cage. Yeah. And I've sort of found uh I suppose going into this this rabbit hole of cage when you just although we know so little about his personal life like mm-hmm. what does he what does he watch on tv you know what has he got in his wine cellar assuming he's got a wine cellar what does he read um you know we know that he just turns up and does stuff like this um so apparently he is a big uh, anglophile a big sort of fan of england and the culture mm-hmm. and the history which is why he's got property um i think he's he Lives somewhere in Glastonbury because apparently he'd gone there. um, Actually, on the trail of finding the Holy Grail as well. So,
0: well, I've not heard that one before.
1: These are the things that I find out, which just to add to my, if I'm ever, if I ever get on Mastermind one day and there's a specialist (laughs) subject, uh, it will be Cage Trivia. He went somewhere, and there was there's some special stream or something associated with the grail it's supposed to taste like blood but it's probably just because there's iron in the water so right he's he's supped from our streams um (laughs) taken in our culture um Uh. amongst other things which only only adds to the mystique for me i don't know if if the holy grail does anything for for you in the cage law and wins you either side of the fence
0: no i'm staying neutral if i'm honest <laughs> i mean it, we've all drunk from a stream he's just like gone for a loftier stream it tastes <laughs> like blood apparently that's that's one of the,
1: the, the, the there's a selling there's points. a
0: euphemism there's a euphemism there to be made about nicholas cage drinking from a bloody stream but i'm not going to make it and neither are you because we're better people than that
1: on this episode, we're better people than that. Yeah, yeah.
0: But <laughs> next week's episode,
1: just you wait for the sequel to that. Uh, that story. <laughs> um, it's. Again, I don't. I don't know with your sort of K- how many Cage films like you've seen in your past. If you have a favourite Cage film, some people don't. Um, because I very frequently, I always categorise Cage films as one of two. Uh, there are films that he is in, and there are Nicolas Cage films. Um, this, I understand completely. Yeah, you're on board already. You, mm-hmm. That's so that's so Swiss neutral of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are this film for me. I sometimes you get glimpses of when Cage turns it up to 11 because you can sort of tell this like like I think oh, I I suppose like an incredible Hulk waiting to come out and he just wants to go full Cage. This I think was just about a film he was in for me.
0: If if by that you mean any scene where he has a mild disagreement with somebody, he turns to very quick and casual violence. (laughs) Then yes, I completely agree, Daryl. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. He could be talking to his ex-wife's new fiance and then just casually takes off a glove and slaps him as he's, recounting the story about how his son fell in with a paedophile or it could be uh that he's innocently saying goodbye to his ex-wife as he drops off their daughter and then throws a snowball so hard at her face it breaks her glasses and she's like what are you doing we weren't even in a snowball fight it's not even snowing how did this happen um <laughs> he he just it, it, there's a lot of times where he does go from zero to eleven very quickly but like there's no in classic Cage way, there's no progression. He stares no. very like blankly at them with what I call Cage face, mm-hmm. and then bang, we go straight into we go straight into a bout, um, uh, and it, it it seems to be his solution to every possible problem. If you're having a disagreement with your wife, just slap her around a bit. If your child <laughs> is too fat, push them down a hill. Teach them archery. Um, <laughs> He, he's he's incredible. Like, given the character that he's supposed to be playing, he's very prone to violence, and I find that appealing. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is—is it—is it—is it too early in the day to say? You know, sometimes we can vicariously live through him in a weirdly more aggressive <laughs> Larry David esque way. Like, oh, if if I could get away with doing the things that you can get away with, if I if I could just you know look at my ex wife's new fiance and uh, hold a bow fully drawn <laughs> in their direction. Um, would I, would I do it? Would I put the bow down? I don't know. You know, what, what would yeah. anyone do in that situation? I think, question. I think,
0: I think you'd ask yourself, well, or oh, it would have felt good to do it, but I won't bring myself to do it. It's also, also just like, we've just casually touched upon the fact that his character is always carrying around a, a full set of arrows and bow, just because that's a hobby of his. So he's a weatherman, but he also loves archery. But, like, it's not really explained why he loves the archery. He just really loves archery. And he gets angry when he can't teach his daughter how to shoot it properly.
1: <laughs> it's um, it's it's a strange bonding technique. Uh, because, I mean, I, I know I've said before, you know, sometimes you think something might be a good idea for, like, a day or two. Then you think, oh, actually, no, I don't know if I'd really really be into yeah. that so he, he tries to bond with his daughter through the medium of archery he does and I, I mean i was sort of looking at that thinking oh maybe i want to be an archer but then five minutes later it's like no i don't know if i'd want to be an archer it's kind of in the same way that anytime the winter olympics is on i'd love watching the curling and think i'd be so yes. good at curling i would love to go curling mm-hmm. um but then i looked into this and i think the only place that you can practice curling is in they only seem to do it in it was like Nottingham or something. It's like, do I want to commute to Nottingham to curl? Who
0: wants to go there? <laughs> Nobody. No.
1: I mean, even, Do you have any Winter Olympic aspirations of curling or would know you're. You? I know
0: you're asking this as an odd question, but genuinely, yes. Every time I see <laughs> every time I see um figure skating, I think mm-hmm. that's what I should have done. Like and I'm saying this as me, bit gay, but I would have loved to have been a figure skater um, mostly because also when I watched the film, I Tonya, I don't know mm-hmm. if we're allowed to talk about non Nicholas Cage films, but allow it. okay. Thank you. Watching <laughs> that. I was like, I was with a group of friends and they were asking all of these questions about like, Oh, how does this work? What's that move? She just did. And I was like, that's the triple axel. She's the first woman to land a triple axel. She was, it was at Lilyhammer, 1994. This whole thing went down. She didn't know anything <laughs> about it. And they were like, you know, too much about figure skating in the winter Olympics. And I was like, yeah, it turns out I do. Okay. Good for me. <laughs> but it's a, ve- it's a very normal thing to like see a profession or a very, like a, an impressive skill in a movie. I think, God, I'm really just wasting my life. I wish I could do something like that. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, yeah, probably figure skating for me. Um, if we're talking winter Olympic, well, I could see myself as a speed skater as well, but that's mostly just because I have a a set of full body latex suits that uh, they tend to, not latex, spandex, (laughs) the stretchy one. The other decks. I have a life outside of. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, yeah. So he carries around a bow and arrow because he loves a bit of archery. He uses it to bond with his daughter. May I, can we talk a, a minute about the relationship he has with his daughter because i find it fascinating of course please but, well so so i what i did watch this film and uh he the first scene with michael kane so michael kane plays his dad mm. in this film uh before that you meet the daughter and she goes she tricks her dad into getting 20 dollars off him to go buy a pack of cigarettes because it, i i in a way i see a lot of myself in the daughter in that all she wants to do is uh, uh is smoke cigars And shoot things. Yeah, very relatable. (laughs) The first scene when you see Michael Caine as Nicholas Cage's dad walk down the stairs, he just comes in and goes, "Your daughter's obese. You don't have enough money." (laughs) And that's that's really his vibe for the whole film, just constantly telling his son he doesn't have enough money, and that he's dying, and that the fact that his daughter is overweight is a problem and that's sort of like i would say for like the first half of the film they focus a lot on the fact that the daughter is overweight but they emphasize the fact that she has a camel toe (laughs) now (laughs) i don't know how hollywood works but i'm just trying to imagine the audition process where (laughs) the producers of the film have said to this young actress you know what we absolutely love maybe the parents are there as well forcing Mm. her to do this and they're going we absolutely love what you're bringing to the character you're delivering all of the lines great we think you've got a great chemistry with uh with nick one other thing though we're looking for a girl (laughs) who's got a real set of curtains on her do you know what i mean like she she's really packing the beef does that make sense (laughs) um how does your daughter feel about just really hiking up those leggings real high? And I thought it was <laughs> yeah. when they first mentioned it, I was like, oh, OK, well, I can see that being an issue for her. But I'm, I'm imagining they won't actually like show it on screen. no. There's like a this little girl's just walking around with a full camel hoof on show all of the time, <laughs> and so yeah. Nicolas Cage fixes it just by buying her like a bunch of pretty dresses, which is actually how they connect by buying by buying your daughter dresses, which is obviously the only way to connect with your daughter. They they only know the mm. language of fashion, of um, But I just I felt so bad for this girl because I, I, children raised in Hollywood must have like. A sort of like um they must be slightly weathered to it if they're taking on that career at that young an age where they can yep. take that kind of criticism just like yeah i got a big puss it's large in charge <laughs> it's going to make me a star um but I would just imagine if that were me and I'm a 29 year old man now if I walked in and they said oh you've got like you've got like a very pronounced moose knuckle <laughs> I'd probably I'd probably cry about that for a week and then I don't know. I don't know. Wear kilts to cover it up. I'd never <laughs> wear a trouser again. But the, their relationship is just fascinating because they don't. They almost say nothing to each other except for the fact that she can't do archery for Toffee, and she's got a huge minge on her. So, it, 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 I'd love to, I would just yeah. I'd just love to meet the person who like wrote that as this girl's two characteristics: huge pussy, <laughs> bad with a bow and <laughs> arrow. It's it's. It- a fascinating
1: dynamic um touch it was written by steve conrad who also wrote the pursuit of happiness uh, the secret life of walter mitty oh, as well
0: Miss, mr conrad you've done it again <laughs>
1: <laughs> they 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 call him um, the big toe in hollywood but it, <laughs> it is it is such a strange thing though because i when there's that scene when they're walking through the park and he he's very awkwardly trying to broach it um yeah this uh, and michael kane's character something more touching in a bit afterwards but um he he's like um it's like your daughter's got a camel toe what is that because he's baffled at everything yeah um and then he tries to have this conversation with her uh walking through this park and he's like oh uh, do people call you names and she's like um like <laughs> you know what kind of names it's like Ah. Uh, camel toe and she's like (laughs) and she's like yeah yeah i've heard that one before and it's like do you do you know what it means it's like yeah it means like i'm tough because camel feet walk through the desert so they have to be tough Mm -hmm. so i I think if if you are sort of the father trying desperately to reconcile your estranged family at this point i mean i mean do you do you just uh, and excuse the pun knuckle down and just say no (laughs) that's not what it means or do you just do what he did and like yeah, that you're right. That is what it means. You are tough. Let's go
0: get some dresses for no reason <laughs> at all. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. It's it's very free the nipple in a way and that like mm-hmm. nipples are something that women are told to be ashamed of, and so the free the nipple movement is like no, get your nips out. It's lovely, and mm-hmm. I guess it could be seen in that way of like, uh, you know, you've got you've got pronounced labia. Let's celebrate that. But then. If that was the logic, if I went in with that attitude, when I go to buy her new clothes, I think that would mean I would have to double down and buy her clothes that would pronounce the camel tone more. Yeah. So like, yeah, like more leggings, higher leggings, more spandex, more. I don't know. But like I, I I would probably be the type of dad where I would celebrate the things other people make fun of my daughter for. And then in, in that way make them 10 times worse. Like if they're (laughs) saying you've got a big, big old, big old vagina. Yeah. You've got a huge vagina. It's the biggest vagina. I'm so proud of you. And then, you know, I put like pictures of her camel toe on the wall, stick one on the fridge and, (laughs) you know, probably child services will get involved (laughs) at some point.
1: (laughs) It's like, God damn it, we celebrate camel toes in this house. And I will not have any any negativity in this house, (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) This is a camel toe-inclusive podcast. And I won't won't hear anything else. No. The only cage podcast celebrating the camel toe, dare I say.
0: Thank you. Yes, I'd support that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And that's why I'm the bad boy of the cage scene. God God damn it. Um, but, But like I said, they... Just have to kind of cover it up with the dresses and that's how they bond. Yeah. They can't the only other way he would have bonded with her through archery is if she's like, Oh yeah, I saw animals getting hunted on TV and I thought it was cool. And he he has like I think a fairy action to say, like, uh, you know, that's a completely different style of hunting. That's not really what we do. Yeah. If if your if your, you know, a camel toe positive daughter said <laughs> to you, I wanna kill things do you continue to embrace that as well, or is that where a line has to be drawn?
0: I can. I'd give a a nine millimeter pistol and a list of my <laughs> mortal enemies, and I say, "You do, Daddy, proud." <laughs> um, it's kind of like um, uh, I imagine if and when I have kids, I'll still be playing video games, and so I will want my kids to play video games with me. But mm. there's always that point where either your child stops showing an interest or they enjoy the games, but not the same way you do, or they play the games better than you. And that always happens to every like parent at some point, your child will eventually better you at something that you both enjoyed. But <laughs> I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, you know, it, I I've said to my brother, who's a bit younger than me, Back when we would both play video games, he was getting like my hand down, hand me down consoles and stuff. I'd watch him play the game and be like, "Well, I'm glad you're having fun, but you're doing it all wrong. So either <laughs> do it right and have yeah. fun, or I'm going to tell you that you should not be doing this, and I will take the GameCube away." Um, <laughs> but so it's I, I think for me it's a bit like that because he says to her, he, she enjoys the archery, I think, and then he says something to her like, "Well." You haven't ever hit the target yet, so why do you enjoy it? You're so bad at it, or <laughs> words to that effect. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then she's like, "But I enjoy it." And I think, like, as a parent, you look at what your tra- you. I think it's hard to not look at like what your child is naturally adept to and try and encourage them to invest their time in that rather than the things that they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it should be the other way around. I don't know. That actually sounds like um, wisdom. I should try and fuck it up, but only do this if your daughter's got a huge vagina. Obviously, there we go. I brought it back. I brought it back. There has to be a balance. You yes, can't,
1: you can't just be good at things and also not have people comment on your camel toe. There's give exactly. and take. Exactly. That's the way. That's the way this life works. And, and I also,
0: I also think it's fun when they go off to New York for, with his dad, and also so he can do the job interview, and he like, is on the phone to the ex-wife casually referring to her as Camel Toe instead of her actual name. She's like, oh, I'm just here with Camel Toe. She's just gone to get me a soda. Um, I just, like, if it's got to the point where you actually cannot recognize your child except for the fact that she has a Camel Toe, I think that's the only way he can tell that she's the daughter and not the son. She's like, okay, the girl, (laughs) my girl child has a huge Camel Toe and my boy child is hanging out with his pedophilic drug counselor. That's how he'll tell them apart. <laughs> there's there's
1: two different traumas, and this is how I associate them. Poor poor camel toe daughter. Poor yeah. And with with Mike as well, um, Nicholas mm. Holt, which was one of those sort of castings where that um that Leonardo DiCaprio meme with him the yellow shirt and sort of pointing at the TV, and I was like. Oh, that's him from uh, Skins and other yes. such things. Yeah, um, which is I found myself doing that. I'm also 29. Actually, as so I, I don't know. I'm just now pointing at TV again. Like I recognize. I still remember. I'm not old
0: yet. Skins it, got... Skins only came out two years ago. I only just finished my A levels, so I've been asleep for so long. <laughs> um,
1: but I, that that was that whole Mycock was a, a very dark, strange
0: B story. Yeah, kind of film. I and, I and you you try and ask yourself, like, what is this adding to, like, the main storyline of, like, Nicolas Cage growing in some way? Because he says yeah. very early on when he finds out that his dad is uh, is... I think it's classed as a terminal illness or or maybe it develops into that later on in the film. But when he's like, oh, okay, dad, don't die yet. I've still got time to get my life together. So it's like, okay, he's trying to like go on this like redemption arc, make himself a better person. And then you have this subplot line where his son, who is a recovering drug addict at age 15, young achiever, um, <laughs> is is hanging out with a drug counselor who is so obviously a pedophile? Like as soon as he comes onto the as soon as he comes onto the screen, you're like, pedo. That's definitely yeah. a pedo. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, I'll just buy you this jumper. I think you'd look great in it. I'll come to my house. I'll make you a salad and take pictures of you topless. That's not like me saying, oh, this child is silly for not realizing the situation that he's in. But at, at the same time, like it's very ham fistedly portrayed that this man is a pedophile. I don't know if it's supposed to be like comedically obvious that he's, he's looking to like have some kind of sexual relationship with this boy, but all it culminates in is him and his dad sat in that canteen after Nicolas Cage has been reminiscing about all of the different foods that get thrown at him since he became a weatherman. And then he just turns to his son as just like, don't worry that whole thing about, like, him trying to, like, suck you off. Um, he, uh, don't worry, I've I've taken care of it. I Like, I really, like, wailed at him. And this is specifically how I did it. I punched him, like, here in the jaw, and then I got a couple other good hits, and I pushed him down some stairs. Uh, and then he gets, like, giddy the more he talks about how violent he was, and so does yeah. his son. So it's like a classic male bonding over violence. Nicolas Cage can't, like, unless there's a violent activity happening, he cannot empathise with people in any way. <laughs>
1: classic toxic masculinity
0: exactly yes that's how
1: that's how we do it we we yeah. cover up the camel toes of our daughters we fight for our sons we fight yeah. other dads <laughs> down the park um it, like i said that he it, i think it's don the character's name is such an obvious pedophile when he when he came on screen i think because it almost because for me it was so obvious what was going to happen? My brain was like, no, it, it can't be that obvious. Maybe he's mm-hmm. he's trying too hard yeah. to be the cool counsellor. I was like, you know, there's got there's got to be more con- subtext to it or context to it than that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, it, and it wasn't. He just wanted to kiss Nicholas Holt and get like, awful with him. Like, you know, I've got a great discount on this jumper. I'll get you that camera early. Take your top mm-hmm. off. Just a bit of banter, lads, lads, lads. Yeah. And then, like you said, the only way that Nicholas Cage can find to bond with his son. And it's and to that point, it seemed like it was sort of kind of his son. He was doing the best with in terms of bond. They're just mm. he he's was the only one who had a bit more of a conversation with him when he's just waiting outside the old house. And he's like, "Yeah, sometimes I just I just park outside and I, and I look at the house." And He's like, "Oh, cool." And then, yeah, so maybe, that, but
0: but that's maybe why his son can't see the situation that he's in because he's used to older men behaving in odd ways just to see him so he's used to his dad just like sitting in the car outside of the house where he actually lives and so he just normalizes that kind of behavior so if another like older man in his life is like oh yeah take take your top off i'm gonna take a before and after photo of your of your hench gains," um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then then he just be like Oh yeah, no, yeah, that that's fine. This is what this is what like older men do with younger men. They, they 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 sit outside their houses, even if they don't go in and say hello, or they take photos of you partially naked. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, men only uh, have those two settings.
1: You know the the classic two hobbies of the man. Um, it's it makes me think though when you think about the wider context for the film. When you know when the credits have rolled, and I just think. The trauma that Mike will have to deal with, as as he goes through life and has to has to uh, face and front the fact that, um, you know, not all men are weird that way. There are there are, believe it or not, despite what twenty twenty has taught us, some are out mm-hmm. there, um, and even and even for Shelley as well. When when one day she will have to face the fact that. There is a situation that has been commented upon by family and friends you know, downstairs yeah. for a while. They have both got <laughs> demons that are, that continue after after the yeah. credits have rolled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, I kind of feel that like this isn't like exclusive. Well, this might be something I've noticed by watching Cage films, but there are films where he does have children, and I think when the credits have rolled, what happens to them? Uh, most notably, this um, Con Air. So the whole whole part of that, he's he's imprisoned he's getting parole he can finally see his daughter then Mm. con air happens a giant uh, aircraft carrying prisoners crashes into las vegas and the first time his daughter ever sees his character is when he's emerged from the wreckage covered in blood having killed john malkovich (laughs) that's the first time you see your dad had having only ever written to him on in in papers and letters Um, yeah maybe it's just the cage effect on children that um, he's just cast to be a weird dad Uh, i mean just can't get it right
0: if i were friends with that daughter and she told me that story it's like oh i saw my dad walking through the flames he just killed a man i would just be like okay strange flex you know who your dad is and he talks to you (laughs) all right (laughs) oh are you annoyed that he killed someone yeah at least he like is there for christmas do you know what i mean (laughs) snap um (laughs) So I wish,
1: wish I could talk about my dad and killed someone. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag trauma. <laughs> uh, but I suppose on that tangent, speaking of dads, um, <laughs> we 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 go to uh, the father Robert, played by Michael Caine, who yes, as I touched on earlier, he is um, obviously very successful author, Pulitzer Prize winning, award celebrated author, done very well, mm. seems to be um perpetually disappointed with nicolas cage because he's a weatherman but he's not a meteorologist um Mm -hmm. which seems to be why the audience it's alluded that's a reason why the audience hate him as well right 50 percent love him because you get that scene with the family saying like oh the the, the woman's like oh i quite like him and then there's that one guy that's like i don't like his asshole face (laughs) Which I almost feel th- that is directly reflecting how people see Nicolas Cage in real oh, life yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love his asshole face for what it's worth. Um, I, I don't know who I'm preaching to anymore. I'm so far <laughs> into this podcast. I'm, I'm so far into this podcast. I
0: really felt like you had to defend him there.
1: <laughs> I do. I was like Sam. Believe me, this isn't a joke to me. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't know how you sort of viewed sort of Robert as well. Because, like I say, he's baffled by everything. He's like, um, he's, he's very
0: confused oh yeah. yeah dildo he i I like the bit where it's just revealed that um his son's uh rehab officer guy made a move on him and he goes like yeah they found them in the car and he it said that he was trying to suck him off and so he said that he was jacked his wallet and then he just spends the rest of the scene going like what is this sucking and jacking and flipping and i was like he won the Pulitzer Prize and he has like the faintest grasp of the (laughs) English language and how it evolves and changes. And it always seems like every, every new like expression that is said to him, he's never, he's never heard before. Like the camel toe thing. Sorry to keep harping on about it, but apparently (laughs) that's all men talk about is he just keeps going camel toe, camel toe and sucking and jerking and jacking and towing and all of this stuff. And I was like, it's, it's, it, his character's already very hard to like believe in because it's Michael Caine doing an American accent, which he does not do terribly seamlessly. I it, was going to say, can we talk yeah. about that accent? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oof.
0: It, it's, I, f- I think people are so used to, you know, um, Michael Caine talking a bit like this. I I can't do an impression saying my life, but <laughs> um, it, we're so used to him talking like that to the point where even if he's cast in films where everyone else around him is American, he still has that voice and there's no need to explain why. Like I'm, I'm thinking of Miss Congeniality where he plays like a a very camp pageant counselor to help, um to help her like win Miss United States pageant and that makes perfect sense why wouldn't he be British and everyone else is American and for some reason he's only coaching women in America in pageants but uh, yeah sure no he's got a British accent I I can get on board with that if he yeah. had a British accent in this film that would have been absolutely fine we've just been like oh okay I guess like his dad's side of the family comes from the UK that happens people are allowed to do that um yeah. Well, they were, end of free movement, Brexit. Woo. <laughs> um, but but for some reason he chooses to do an accent in this film, which you don't hear of the cane most most of the time. Mm. So and he's doing that kind of American accent that British actors do where it's very serious and very deep compared to their normal, like, this is how I talk, this is my speaking voice, like that kind of American accent where it's just um it it's it's the like the default British man doing American accent actor accent yeah there's a lot of exactly words to describe it but yeah <laughs> um but i think he comes in at the start with like a fantastic energy of like fat shame the girl be disappointed in the dad don't even acknowledge your other grandson um <laughs> and then he just spends the rest of the time. i like i do like the scene where he's gone out to get him a paper and so he buys the coffee the price is wrong. So he doesn't have enough money for the paper still. So he just doesn't get the paper. And he just looks at it. it's just like, where's the paper? And he's like, Oh, I didn't have enough money for one holding the cup of coffee. And he does like a very good, he does a very good job of being disappointed in his son. Not that he doesn't have lots to be disappointed in, but I think there's supposed to be a, like an arc in this film where they, as, as two men, they like have an emotional bonding moment. And supposedly that happens towards the end when he turns up in the car. And for some reason, Michael Caine doesn't address his son by his son's name. He literally screams, hey, weatherman, which you know his name. (laughs) He came out of your balls, like call him by his name. He gets in the car and then he puts on a song and then goes like, I've never really understood this song. And I don't, maybe I missed it. Maybe the song has relevance somewhere else in the film and I missed it, but they just put, he puts on a song and then goes, I don't understand this bit, and then Nick says, "Like, yeah, I don't. This is the bit that I want you to understand." And it doesn't really mean it doesn't really mean anything. It feels like it's supposed to mean something. Like they could have put on wet ass pussy if that song <laughs> existed back then. And and then Michael came to be like, "I don't understand this bit with the with with the with the bottom feeding and the and the and the what is she doing with the dangly thing in the back of his throat?" And then he'd be like, "Well, this is the part I want you to understand. Yeah, I want you to part that." big Mac truck in my little garage I've made it they're, they're not gonna have <laughs> sex that would be weird um but they're supposed to bond in this moment I, I think we're supposed to believe that they bond and hmm. I was just like no I don't understand what's happened that part took me the most out of their relationship where I was supposed to believe that they were gonna have this moment where they like finally see light to eye and I don't think they do I don't know what you thought about it
1: yeah, I mean, uh, um, I, I agree with a lot of that. To be obviously, the accent as you've said about Michael Caine. Um, this is this is a weird thing. It's like I. It's a similar thing with Nicholas Cage, like with Michael Caine. It's like when I'm watching the film with Michael Caine, in I I don't always see the character. I see Michael Caine, and it's. Yes. I think it's a very similar film uh, or thing, I should say, for Nicholas Cage, where you don't always see the character. You see Nicholas Cage. I was sort of talking to someone about this the other day. It's like. Mm-hmm. Take that to say someone like Danny DeVito, who you all know is Danny DeVito, but you see the character, like, Mm -hmm. it's always sunny, like, when you see Frank Reynolds, you don't see Danny DeVito. So sometimes it's hard to separate. But like you said, um, there was no, I'm, I'm not coming to see a film with Michael Caine in for him to do. Try to do an American accent <laughs> because yeah. there was part of me just said like just just go to your, your your Cockney accent the one we all know you for yeah you, you, know, you can have a British dad and an American mother that's a thing that can happen yeah used to be able to happen by the time this podcast has come mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. um, so I just kind of wanted to be like just go all cock like watch a big go sad and then I was <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yes that's what I came for that's fine. You're clueless about everything, as you said, even though you're an award-winning author and therefore should yep. know
0: words. But any um, new word scares him. Any new word
1: is like he's like dildo. What's a dildo? Ugh. Oh yeah. I was like, oh because you're it's it's funny because you're old and clueless, Michael Caine. <laughs> um but what you're saying about the song as well, it was um Bob Seeger's Like a Rock. So this was when um and i don't know if this is actually a thing or just a thing that happened in the film because robert was diagnosed with lymphoma they mm. did the the living funeral they did uh, yeah where which i had no idea that was an option um, i don't i don't know if it is i i was I I made a note. I was like living funeral question mark. I was like, can we do a living funeral for like Britain by on like December thirtieth <laughs> <laughs> or, or something? Just remember, just yeah. remember the good times, i.e., mm-hmm. twenty nineteen previously. Um, and David goes up to do the speech, and he starts to quote the song. He's like, I list this song makes me think of my father. Ah, then, okay. Um, then they get like the. Thirty forty 40 minute power out, but by yeah, he sort of narrates that by the time it comes back on, everyone starts leaving and they forget that he was doing the speech, which adds to his whole victim inadequacy thing, yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's, I think that's supposed to be them finally bonding for the first time because it mm-hmm. shows that his dad's, his dad mentioned he's read the book that he's been writing, he's paid attention to the speech, and he's like, This is the song you're on about, I don't really understand what you're on about, but this is it. And then he gives him sort of, and I guess this is the message of the film saying, um, life isn't easy. Um, but without looking at the lyrics, um, I don't, I think they were on about a chorus or something.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, he proves that life isn't easy after that bonding moment very well by, um, dying. <laughs> <laughs> he dies very shortly after that. Um, yeah. and then, uh, I, th- I believe so he's been up for this Nicholas Cage's character has been up for this big job, the whole film on mm-hmm. a, on a national show um, called hello America. And I did like, okay. One other scene I did like with Michael Caine, the guy comes out of the job interview and then the person who was interviewing him casually says, Oh, by the way, if you get this job, you'll be doing a sponsorship deal with uh, this dog food company. Um, it's, it's just part of the, package it's we expect everyone who like who's on camera to do it and then the dad asks like oh what does that mean he's just like oh he's just going to be in like some ads for dog food and then classic like parent ruining a situation but doesn't realize it it's just mm. like he doesn't have a dog and he's just like <laughs> well i have i have my dog jackson and then he's like yeah your dog jackson who lives with your ex-wife and kids where you don't live And so I was just like, oh, God, he's saying this in front of the interviewer. This is classic, like, dad speak, not knowing that you're really just putting several feet in several mouths. Mm -hmm. I did very much enjoy that bit. Um, But after he dies, then he does go and take the job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does take it. Um, And then he's, like, wandering around. People stop throwing things at him because he's walking around with a bow and arrow more often now. I'm not sure how this like resolves things with his father. Again, Nicolas Cage weaponry and violence solves any issue. <laughs> Have we learned nothing else from this conversation so far? I don't think so. No, that's the key <laughs> takeaway for me. <laughs> I, I
1: think, and I think at this point in the podcast, this is me. Making Nicolas Cage make sense, just like cramming, a, <laughs> j- just cramming like a, a, a circle into like a square hole kind of thing. Yeah, because um, he's he's walking through the street in that very kind of the verve bittersweet symphony kind of way. Yes, and he's, yeah, and he's yeah. got he's got that quote saying, "All the people I could be, they get fewer and fewer until they finally got re- reduced to only one, and that's who I am—the weatherman." So it seems like it's at that point, it only took his dad dying, but at that point he's finally sort of come to terms with who Mm. he is, and he's found some form of peace in this is my role, um, this is who I am, um, and then he he, he gets that... um, he gets on that float at the end. He's like, "This is my place, just behind the fire brigade, but just in front of SpongeBob." Um, which, <laughs> yeah, I, I think in in any any life, if you're if your position on the totem pole is just above SpongeBob, you've done quite
0: well. That's high. No, that's high Like praise. SpongeBob, I think like SpongeBob is an ambassador for the UN. Is he not? I think he's is the underwater ambassador. Him and the uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's the UN ambassador <laughs> for Bikini Bottom. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I get I when you say it like that, then yes, you can actually understand that he's made some kind of progression. But I think similar to how you were saying that when you look at the film you see you see Nicolas Cage perhaps more than you see like the character he's playing. Mm-hmm. Which I think for me, any time I see Nicolas Cage in any film, I'll be like, That's Nicolas Cage. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. I okay <laughs> I'm I'm very astute like that when I see <laughs> <people>. <laughs> If there's one thing they say about Sam yes. Lake, he knows who Nick Cage is. Has, has basic cognitive response, can recognize faces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very neutral, can recognize a face. That's what they say about me. But um, I spend the whole time just thinking about the, the, the acting choices and the things that he does throughout the film more mm. than the storyline. For example, there's one scene that I have to call out because it's, a, well, I don't know how common it is, but you do get a Nick Cage sex scene in this film. Yes, Only, only briefly, yes. Um, but he's got his cage face on and it's exactly which is the same face that he makes all the time in a situation where you don't think you should be making that face. Like if somebody's saying something happy, then he'll look very confused and puzzled. And that's the same mm-hmm. face he makes whilst having full penetrative intercourse with uh, a German milkmaid. And <laughs> I think what's very weird about this <laughs> scene, and maybe you'll agree, is the exposed breast, not breasts. Not, not both breasts, just the one solitary breast. Just And she's on top. Um, is this a podcast for children? Can I say all <laughs> <laughs> Say what? Children aren't listening to this. They don't know who Nicolas Cage is. For oh, thank God. Okay. So Nicolas Cage is absolutely railing this woman. She's, on top. <laughs> <laughs> she's really getting it. She's on top. And so she's bouncing away. Nicholas Cage is actually doing very little. Um, yeah, and... Yeah. He's sort of looking up with cage face on, sort of confused, sort of aroused. Could could potentially slap her at any minute in classic cage fashion. But <laughs> she's bounced away on top, and for some reason the director chooses to focus on one tit hanging out. The other one is very con- is very like tightly packed away. that's not going yeah. anywhere. She's just got the one breast out, and so. One breast bouncing up and down on its own, not sexy, quite threatening actually. (laughs) Especially combined with Nicholas's reaction to it, just kind of like, and 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 then it's sort of like it's in a little bit of slow motion, and she's screaming, and it's a very odd like like a sex scene is already quite awkward to film and to watch, so when it's like when it's nudity that's almost like so absurd it's like it's there's no way it can be sexual anymore just like one mm-hmm. i'm going to i ran a half marathon once it's an odd thing to boast about but I, <laughs> there's a point i right. ran a half marathon that was sponsored by a breast cancer charity so lots of people who ran for that charity ran wearing a breast costume a 3d tit costume with right. a nipple and areola on the front um and and so they had to run it. and that was what this scene reminds me of of them like doing the race wearing this costume like i don't even if i were in any way straight i wouldn't look at that breast and be like hey one tits seeing one tits better than seeing two tits or see at least i've seen one tit i'd be like no i'd rather see no tits or both of them i think i think a pair is be- <laughs> i think a pair is better than a better than a single better than a single it's like um if, if I may use a very niche reference, in Super Smash Brothers Melee, if you play as the Ice Climbers, if you lose one of the Ice Climbers, you're just instantly less effective. But both of them together, it's all right. They've both got hammers. They can use the freezes. They can like do that weird tether jump thing. It's a lot to think about after just seeing what is probably like the only fifth tit that I've seen in my life. But it really took me to places. It's just going to stand out as like, well, what an odd scene. Did you not think like, oh, well, one tits out, might as well get the other tit out. Well, I might as well take my top off. Like, why are we both fully... Cl- Do straight people just not take off any of their clothes sometimes when they have sex? It's uh, so many questions <laughs> that need to be answered. I'll, I'll let you answer all of them in order now.
1: <laughs> right. Well, first of all, um, <laughs> s- somehow you've got the straight email. Um, you've got all of our memos. <laughs> Um, and yes, two is better than one. I guess, but that is the most in depth analysis of a single <laughs> breast I have ever heard <laughs> podcast or not. Generally fantastic. Mm. That being said, though, as the ambassador for the straight community on this podcast, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that now I was thinking about it, I was kind of like, yeah, that is kind of weird that it was just the one and he was. Yeah. And lest we forget, in this scene, he
0: was dressed as Abraham Lincoln during the act. He absolutely was, yes, and uh, but, and did not. I assume just took the took the goods out, for the, the only the parts that were necessary, and the rest of him was fully clothed.
1: Yeah, I mean, he still had the beard on. My notes uh, just said Abraham Lincoln Cage, uh, perfect job <laughs> equals banging, um, but but it was. he didn't seem to be in it he was very much in his own head um yeah you you know he was he he wasn't there maybe he was still in character he was like four score and 20 years ago i was um
0: in the presence of milkmaids german (laughs) and otherwise i i think that's how the quote goes i think in his head he was as his character he was probably looking at the breast with the areola and then the nipple and thinking this is an archery target if only I had my bow and arrow. <laughs> it's right there. He,
1: he can't see any circle now without a bloodlust to strike it <laughs> with, a, with, with a bow and arrow. So Absolutely. Maybe, I think it's a good thing that this happened before he took up that, that three-month plan. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> um, it's, it would have gone very American Psycho mm. very quickly. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a quick tangent. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced uh, there's a film called Vampires Kiss with Nicholas Cage. It is I mm-hmm. I often credit it as one of, if not the peak Cage film, the cagest okay. of the Cage films. Um, I am convinced that Christian Bale based his characterization um, of that of his oh, character in American Psycho okay. on that. If you sort of see the two together, you be like, "What? Well, there's uh, surely you know if if it wasn't Christian Bale, it would have been Nicholas Cage." I am certain. Mm. of that um but you know chainsaw bow and arrow tomato tomato you know who but you know it's a, it's all the same there's a there's a yeah. woman getting kick there's a woman getting impaled at the end of it um oh. you know, cl- classic classic straight activities yeah yeah, um, yeah. impaling um... women <laughs> way lads, lads, lads. <laughs> you can't see because it it's an audio podcast but i'm now raising the roof <laughs> um <laughs> and that's just what we do um uh. but he seems to i mean i don't know if you know he connects maybe more with her single areola than he does with his wife. He was desperately trying to get back together with um, Link. Yeah. Very um, good,
0: very good. That's
1: what I do. When he's not <laughs> slapping Russ, um sh- what does he call him, like um, like Porker, he calls him oh, yeah. Dildo, you slaps him with the glove.
0: fuck Dildo Porker, you fucking Porker. Th- that scene was... Um, it had big stepdad energy where, <laughs> and I say that knowing that one of them is the actual biological father of these kids, but just two men who have clearly never been in a fight trying to square off to each other and be like, yeah. oh God, this is the first fight I've ever been in with another man. What am I supposed to do? Call him a dildo, call him a dildo. And it's just like, they do love, I've never, no, it's it's a rare use of the word dildo as a pejorative term. Yeah. Yeah. It, normally dildos bring joy to a lot of people um just thinking because we're recording this at christmas time uh, dildos <laughs> full of christmas cheer but you so <laughs> rarely hear someone calling another person an absolute dildo but uh, they do a good job of um of like trying to think of like really mean insults for another person but not doing it very well and so you just yeah. put together a string of very incoherent swears and rude words um so that that was that was good although obviously later on he has like what starts off as a very calm interaction with Russ and then like, doesn't pay attention to anything he says and just takes off his gloves and then just slaps him and goes, why are you here? Um, Which I, I would like to believe Nicolas Cage, like just improvised that moment. <laughs> I like, I like to think that he improvised a lot of moments in this film. Like when he hit the lady with the snowball and broke her glasses any time where he hit someone or got into a fight, I like to think that like the other actor just wasn't expecting that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean in infamously, if that is the right word, Nicolas Cage is a, a huge method actor. And I yes. I'd like to think at this point that that directors should know. Like just don't tell him, but just keep the camera rolling because yeah, yeah, you yeah. never know. Mm-hmm. Um which touching on the director actually, which I found interesting, this was directed um by Gore Vabinsky, who was helmed Rango, Mouse and the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Um, oh okay. In- Interestingly, in, in in the chronology of his filmmaking, he did this film between Pirates of the Caribbean films so he's gone from high, um, big budget, you know, sea sailing treasure hunting adventure, Nicholas mm. Cage, back to pirates, pirates, pirates. <laughs> so may- maybe he was just carrying some of that energy over, and he was Perhaps. like, "You know what? Do take your glove off, slap him with it. Let's get, let's swashbuckle yeah. this motherfucker and see what <laughs> happens." Um, but I, I understand what you mean. There, it, it's big. Like this is the energy of two people who've never known violence. I think yep. at that point he's arching, he's got a taste for it. And in that scene, I was like, I've never been in a fight, but I kind of think if I was in that position, desperate weatherman dad, trying to, who am I trying to impress at this point? I'd probably take the glove off because I don't know what I'm doing. Right? That is, I think that's how I would react as well. Yeah. And then, then in my head, I was like, oh, right now, do, I, do we, do we tussle? Do we grapple? Do I, do I hit him in the, in the belly? What, do-? <laughs> I, I I would not know what to do. No. Russ, Russ, God bless him, he's done nothing wrong. He's just a nice guy who's happened to accidentally pick up the the baggage of camel-toed stepdaughter, druggie, molested (laughs) stepson, Nicolas Cage. If you're Russ, though, and you're having that conversation with Noreen, He's like, well, you know, the, you know, this is what I do. This is about me. Oh, by the way, my ex-husband is Nicolas Cage. And also this, like, what, sorry, what was that bit about? What was that bit about Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I need to unpack that immediately. Yeah. Uh, would would that be a red flag for you? that The ex is Nicolas Cage?
0: Um, potentially. If I would then ask like, okay, how often does Nicolas Cage still turn up? Like how, <laughs> like Unannounced. If you yeah. plan to see him, fine. But how many times do you just turn up and is Nicolas Cage? Then I based on the number they give me, I I would rank my concern appropriately. So if the number they said was higher than one, then I'd be very, very, very concerned. <laughs> and that would be a huge red flag. But um it's it's interesting because I don't think at any point they try and make you believe that uh uh Nicolas Cage and his ex-wife at any point were happy together it seems like Mm. they were two people who were destined for divorce and i there's a there's a scene where they go for some kind of couples counseling and they have to do this thing where they write down um uh something bad that they thought or something bad that they think about the other person right on a piece of paper and give it to them and then they're not supposed to read it they're Mm. supposed to keep it with them but not never never look at it And Nicolas Cage does what I absolutely 100% would do if I knew there was something mean about me written on a piece of paper. I would 100% open it and read it as soon as I could. So he goes off to the paper and she's like, oh, I really hated his sci-fi book that he wrote. I thought it was really difficult and I can't believe it took him four years to write. And then quite naturally when they go for dinner afterwards, he's just like, so why did you hate my book so much? And then... I think what is an interesting question is because during the fight, then she opens up the bad thing he wrote about her. And he said something like, uh, oh, she her blowjobs aren't enthusiastic enough. Um, which is spoken like somebody who has never had to give a blowjob, by the way. Mm. More enthusiasm. <laughs> Look what I'm doing. It's work. Um, I, I I think it's an interesting question to ask. Would you rather have somebody critique you? in the bedroom department or critique you in something that is a passion of yours would you rather be critiqued physically or creatively i suppose because i spent a lot of that scene trying to think whose side am i on here i don't know if i'm on nicholas cage's side because he's just he's put like some effort into this thing trying to be like his dad writing his own book and somebody just told him the person who in theory was like the closest to him at the time. Oh, I hated that book. It was so bad. Whereas she got told, oh, you're not very good at blowjobs. Where I feel like that's the thing where you can dismiss it a bit and just be like, okay, I'm not very good at them. Maybe I'm better at something else. Whereas like he'd like put four years of her- like she has not spent four years working on blowjob technique. At least I hope she hasn't. Um, <laughs> so I-, I don't know. I'd say I I. I find their relationship, like, very odd. It seems like it, it, it was just to add to, like, the dysfunctionalness of his life outside of being, like, a cheery weatherman on TV. That, like, of course he's got, like, a marriage that's, like, crumbled and he's still trying to maintain some kind of contact with the mother of his children. But it doesn't really work. But he still thinks that there could be a marriage saved or, like, all of this. But the relationship just appears so negative on screen that you're just like how did they how did this how did they ever get married what did they ever see in each other
1: yeah it, it it's one of those relationships when this was always this was always going to be the result of whatever it was that you sort of had previously mm-hmm. uh, but like you said though i think um, with the couples counseling session when in the course of like a few hours you go from the classic trust fall to end with i i hate you that's why there's no enthusiasm in the blowjob set that's that's a 180 turn there's no reconciliation that's yeah but i think as you said if if there's something physical in my hand that the other half has written about me that they don't like Mm. i don't know that i would be strong enough to just never ever look at that yeah either i would i guess push myself mentally crumple it find the nearest bin. like it's in there right you've done the thing i can never ever look at that let's leave this room right now right yeah yeah, now. yeah if i'm left with that paper any longer than two seconds unfold unfold well yep. now um and it i can't i can't say <laughs> that i would be the perfect human being and not bring it up immediately at a dinner
0: i think yeah but, <laughs> yeah but,
1: it's it's like you said though um, and I was kind of thinking when you were saying it, like, I hope this is rhetorical. He's not going to forward this to me, but would I rather be critiqued
0: physically or creatively?
1: <laughs> I, I I don't know which one would be the worst burn. I don't mm. know.
0: I don't um, know. If th- I don't think there's like a, a winning, I don't think there's a correct answer. Um, But I guess if it was something that i put four years of work into versus something that I do occasionally, or occasionally eh? hey, cage puns finally <laughs> um uh then i'd probably be more offended by the the thing that i spent for you because that's four years of like of betrayal in a sense of like she must have said to his face at some point like oh yeah good job on the book honey whereas mm-hmm. w- w- well i don't know i don't i d- <laughs> I could imagine she wouldn't know if she's doing a good job during oral intercourse with him because he'll have the same face. <laughs> it's like, are you, are you enjoying this? Are you currently ejaculating? It's so hard to tell, Nicholas Cage. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's a correct answer. I just think it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
1: I don't know if Cage is the measuring stick of <laughs> blow, of blowjobs to really judge. Um, I mean, no. I mean, and you know, it's it's not my place to ask. Is Russ enjoying it? is Is he having a, <laughs> is he having a better time? Should that? I don't know if you could compare four years of crafting a narrative and and then are you assuming that also you've been um, fellating for four years as well? Is there an equatable figure? Yeah, I don't know. As f- all I can say, apparently it's down to tartar sauce. That's why this all started in oh, Cage's yes. head. Um, yeah. I I did like that scene where he's going to the shops. He's like tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. I wish I had two penises. Tartar sauce, tartar sauce. It's like oh I, yes, I, I love that ass. And I was, uh, like you know I not that I've thought the same things in the same scenario, but I I've gone to the shop before to get one thing, got other things, not the thing I went for. Yeah, been there, done mm-hmm. that. Um, have arguments occurred? Yes, uh, but that's that's. <laughs> I, I I did enjoy that scene. I found that weirdly relatable. I yes. like some. I like the internal
0: a lot of the internal monologue stuff that he did. I d- yeah, it and is. I did because I was watching this on. Oh God, I, d- I hate to give him more business. Amazon Prime Video. Sorry. Um, same. They, same. Yeah, they have the um, the X ray thing that comes up, and what I discovered was that he recorded all of the voiceover stuff before any of the film had been shot. Hmm. Yes, which is interesting. Yes. So he recorded that bit before filming the the scene so he's on his way out to get the tartar sauce with the takeaway and he it's it happened his mind loses focus because he sees a nice bum in jeans on a lady sees a nice mm-hmm. bum in jeans and then he says something like oddly sexual for Nicholas Cage he's like god I just like to like put my face in between those two things and start swimming or something he says something like he did, like just shoving his face in it and then and then he says He says something vaguely racist. I think he said that, like, he thinks that black men don't like to eat pussy. I remember him saying that. I think I wrote that down somewhere. Just thinking, like, oh, what an odd odd thing to suddenly, apropos of nothing, just jump into. (laughs) But then in between all of these thoughts, he's saying, like, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. And then he gets there and doesn't remember the tartar sauce. And then that leads to the fight. And, again, it's another example of why these two people just, like, They only seem to be unhappy around each other. So it's hard to imagine a time where they were, you know, happy and he was eating her pussy and she was enthusiastically sucking him off. And then the dad is like, what does sucking off mean? What's tartar sauce? Like it, I, it, 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 you have to be given like a moment where you can see like the two of them, like called eyes across a room and like, you know, they had like a magical moment. Like there's. There's a sketch on Saturday Night Live where Emma Roberts plays an extra in a gay porn. And then she has like, she creates a backstory behind her character who only has one line. And then the rest of the scene is obviously two men having sex. And one of them is her husband, but she creates a story in her head. And then you see them like meet at a New Year's Eve party. And I was like, wow, literally like there is a better relationship in a fictional gay porn between a man (laughs) and a woman than there is in this film, which is not a gay porn. Um, And then I started thinking about what it would be like if Nicolas Cage did a gay porn. And I think it would be very long and not sexual at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and now I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I, the, the climax would be him finally smiling and winking at the camera and just saying, <laughs> huh, we got there. Um, <laughs> so book it, write it. I'll k- get a Kickstarter going for it. Um, but it it, it yeah like i said there's no there's no context to know that the relationship was ever good like with his life it was he's i think always felt sort of inadequate and sort of run of the mill even though his career's not too bad he's yeah he he gets a mcnugget or two thrown at him but you know (laughs) yeah which of us hasn't um but then by the like i say by the end he's and you know maybe this is my takeaway be like the thing that helps you get your life on track is the death of your dad. When they're the picture, <laughs> it's like, yes, now I'm in the room. I'm alive again. Let's see. No, no more big gulps. No more um falafels <laughs> being thrown at me. This is where life begins. Yep. So um I, f- I feel, you know, is that my, is that my takeaway from the film? Well, apparently, I I don't know. As we sort of come to the end of this, um, you're, Jerry springer
0: asks final thoughts on the film. What was your takeaway of The Weatherman? Um, my, my takeaway from The Weatherman is that fat children don't deserve good dads.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. On that, <laughs> <laughs> on that cutting final bombshell, maybe the, <laughs> the message maybe is being an adult isn't easy. You don't get to make it easy for yourself, just like anything with life. You've got to practice at it and get better. And I'm talking to you, Michael Caine, and that fucking accent, that was un- <laughs> That was unforgivable. Um, but that's, I think that brings us to the end of The Weatherman, this episode of Cage Rage and Nicolas Cage Podcast. Uh, Sam Lake, before we go, uh, mm. where,
0: where can we find you on them, their socials and other such things? um well uh here is my full home address no just kidding um uh on social media i am mr sam lake on everything but it's mr spelt m-r-s-a-m-l-a-k-e because people always think that it's mrs am lake or mrs am larky or something it looks odd written down anyway um <laughs> So, yeah, you can find me on socials. And as you kindly said at the beginning, I have my own podcast called I've Had a Rosé, Let's Talk About Feelings, where I interview comedians about their relationship with their feelings and how they engage them. And it sounds not as fun as it actually is. It's quite a stupid podcast that just happens to be about like a more serious topic. But it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) if i just say it emphatically enough then people might believe it it's fun guys i promise um and we have some really lovely guests on on there as well so um yeah go 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 listen to that after this listen to this first and then go like oh god i just i'm in love with him and then listen to my podcast (laughs)
1: let this win you over let the neutral swiss (laughs) sam lake win you over he's got a ps5 what more do you need to hear yeah and then go and listen to some funny chat about feelings and other such things (laughs) um but like i said that brings us to the end of cage rage and nicholas cage podcast the weather man it's a little bit cloudy our dads are the bad weather but we got there get yourself a bow for chris (laughs) get yourself a bow hour for christmas your life will be fine Uh, hopefully we'll see you in the next one but until then keep on keep on caging it's all you have to do thank you take care and goodbye